Our pastor, Helen and I have been serving the Lord in Honduras, Central America, through BIMI in the town of Santa Lucia, tucked away in the mountains some seven miles east of the capital city, Tegucigalpa. Santa Lucia is a growing town with some 25,000 souls, most of whom profess the Roman Catholic faith. But the introduction of the charismatic doctrines within the Roman Church and the formation of 13 smaller charismatic Pentecostal and Protestant churches, not to mention the cults, has meant that the population has polarized into religious groups, all of whom profess some sort of salvation, with no concern for biblical truth. Since arriving in Santa Lucia, God has blessed our neighbors in the gospel with the true salvation of 131 souls, of which we've been able to disciple and baptize 56 into membership of our local church, and along with 13 other believers that moved their membership to us from other areas, we now have a total membership of 69, with a total congregation of 121, most of whom attend at least one meeting per week. God has blessed the ministry in other ways. We have been able to train 21 of our members in door-to-door work, street evangelism, open airs, and children's ministries, as well as the training of four Sunday school teachers. With the commencement of our Bible Institute ministry in 2012, we have 15 of our men preparing themselves for ministry which has provided us with the manpower to commence six other church plants from our church in nearby areas and in Tegucigalpa. But God is asking more from us, and for the last five years he has laid heavily upon my heart the commencement of a local church bilingual school for the children of those who attend regularly our church services. An English education is what can make the difference in a child's social life in Honduras, and coupled with the gospel, and make them shining lights in our community by providing them with the means to make their decision to follow Christ and have an excellent opportunity to find a good paid job. So clear is God's guidance in this that we have already started preparation for the necessary buildings to carry out this ministry. With God's help, we envisage its completion by the end of 2018, in time to start the new school year in February 2019, when all national schools commence. But we do have a real need for this to happen. In order that this new ministry can reach these expectations, we will need the support of our churches in the following ways. First, to provide us with the trained missionary teachers to man the school. Secondly, we need financial sponsors to help the children whose parents cannot afford to pay the minimum fee for the children to attend our school. For just $50 per month, you could cover the outstanding costs so that a child may receive the opportunity not only to hear about Christ and his salvation for them, but also to receive a high standard of education so they may lift themselves with God's help from poverty. If you would like to know more, contact us at the end of this message.
We praise God for allowing us to be the representatives of so many good fundamental Baptist churches, both in Europe and in the USA. But we do need more support. Finally, may we say what a blessing it has been to be on the receiving end of the prayers and support of such a wonderful and faithful group of church believers. May God bless each and every one of you. And may you know God's definite blessing in each one of your lives and ministries of his glory. Amen. So that is basically in a very quick six minutes of synopsis what our ministry entails. But how does this fit in with the uh, roadmap that God has given for his church? I believe that it fits in with the roadmap in the following ways. In Jerusalem, whenever Jesus was speaking to his disciples, they were obviously from Galilee. Uh, the majority of them were, were from Galilee. Sorry is the pronunciation in English. In Spanish, it's uh, Galileo. Uh, so I was speaking Spanglish there, uh, uh, saying Galilee. Uh, so uh, they were from, uh, um, how do you say it in English? Galilee, that's it. You know, you, you switch off sometimes your brain. Uh, so um, whenever he was speaking about Jerusalem, that was the physical location where they were at at that moment in time. He wasn't talking that we all have to get on a plane and go out to Jerusalem to begin our ministry. He was talking about start right where you are. That is your Jerusalem. That is where God wants you to be a witness for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. For us, a Santa Lucia became our Jerusalem when with the support of yourselves and other churches, we went out in November of 2008 uh, to start a new church there. And God really blessed us, and before long we had a number of people coming, and we started to organize our own local independent Baptist church. And you know what? Now our, our little church has the following ministries in its Jerusalem to reach the people and to minister to the spiritual needs of those that come. We start off with Sunday. Sunday morning we have Sunday school, just like yourselves, from 9.45 through 10.45. Then at 11 we have our morning service through 12.30. And then uh, we have our break, everybody goes to their homes, has their meals, and then the uh, 15 students come back at 4.30 for our Bible Institute ministry. Now the Bible Institute are for uh, baptized believers only, and uh, members of our church, so they come and they are committed to attend every church service that we have, the three main church services Per, uh, per week, the two on Sunday, including the uh, Sunday school ministry, that's uh, uh, included with the morning service, and then the midweek service. But here's the thing, each one of them have to commit to two hours of study of God's Word per day. And that can be an hour of devotional study and then an hour of academic study using the books and using the uh, curriculum that we are, we are teaching them. They are to go over their notes and they're to study. They make a commitment to two hours of study per day. And then on top of that, they have to commit to two hours of ministry per week. And hence you see that we have a tremendous manpower. 
You know, I, it, it just does not compute for me that the local church would send its young people to a seminary somewhere else to give their skills and their talents and their, their time to another church whenever the local church needs uh, their help. And so uh, God led in my heart very clearly that we should have a Bible institute, and who knows where that will lead to. We may even commence a seminary in the future. But the idea is to maintain the gifts and the talents that God has given for the ministry of our own church. So with those 15 guys, we're able to do the other ministries, of which I'll explain to you in a few moments. But then at 6 o'clock, other members join us, other people from the community join us, along with the uh, guys of the Institute, and we meet for Sunday evening service. And then on Wednesdays, we have our Bible study and prayer meeting uh, in Santa Lucia. But then on Saturdays, we have our our Good News Club ministry to the children, and then we have evangelism from uh, 3.30 through five o'clock, and then the, the choir meets at, uh, in the evening from seven through eight o'clock. And so that is our ministry to our Jerusalem. And what a blessing we're having because the ministry of getting out and uh, gossiping the gospel around our community is starting to, to bear fruit. We're seeing people coming in. You know, uh, just uh, this past year, we had a family of four start to come. They came to us from a uh, church of Christ. Now listen, folks, we have to understand that uh, not everyone's preaching the true gospel. And the Seventh-day Adventists and the Church of Christ are not brothers and sisters in Christ. You may think, <gasps> what's he talking about? Listen, Both these organizations teach another gospel. In what way? They teach, the Church of Christ teaches, that you must ask Jesus to be your Savior, but then you must be baptized for the remission of sins. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches us that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. And that's past sin, present sin, and future sin. We're under the blood. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. That is the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we come to the Seventh-day Adventists. They teach you have to ask Jesus to be your Savior, but you must keep the law, in particular the the Sabbath day. If you don't, then you're not saved. That's another gospel. You know what Paul said about those uh, preach another gospel? He said, let them be accursed. Folks, that wasn't me that wrote those words. It wasn't even Paul that uh, he physically penned them, but he didn't think them. That was the Holy Spirit warning that if anybody dares tamper with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, God takes that very, very seriously. And we should too. We receive these people uh, with love, But right from day one, we said to them, we're sorry, we can't have you at the Lord's table, and uh, sorry, this, that, and the other. And they were a bit mm, ruffled, because other churches accept them as brothers and sisters in Christ. But I went and I visited with them, and I sat down in their home, and I explained to them 
why we could not have complete fellowship with them. We said, you're very welcome to come. You're very welcome to listen to the Word of God. We will do studies with you and disciple you, but we will teach you the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you must come to a place where you realize that you're a sinner lost in sin, and Christ's blood alone is what is necessary for your sin. Do you know, as the months went by, they came out to the church faithfully, and God's Word got a hold of them. And as we preached the Word of God, as we taught the Word of God in the Bible study, as we would say, the light started to turn on, you know? They started to see it, until eventually, one by one, the whole family came up to us and said, I would like to be baptized And they didn't say, I want to be baptized again, because they realized that the baptism they received wasn't biblical. They just got wet. That's what they got. But, you know, they came up and said, we want to be biblically baptized because we know now that Jesus Christ alone is sufficient for our salvation. Wasn't that a wonderful blessing? Praise the Lord for that. Another lady that received a tract over a year ago uh, she received a tract. She lives uh, uh, high in the, in the village. Our village is on the side of a mountain, or our small town is on the side of a mountain. And uh, she lives way at the top of the town. And our guys had got up there. They'd visited the home. They'd given out a gospel tract. But nothing ever came of it. But little was known to us that she didn't throw that tract out. She put it in a drawer beside her bed. A year later... She's dusting, and events were going funny in her her life, and she just had an emptiness in her life, and she opened the drawer beside her bed and was rummaging through it, and she found the tract, read the tract, and the telephone number was on the bottom. She looked at the telephone. I don't know if you use WhatsApp here, but we have WhatsApp on our church telephone number, and she wrote me a message and said, is this the WhatsApp of the Baptist Church? And I wrote back and said, yes, who are you? And she wrote back and said, I'm a, a lady from Santa Lucia, and I'm interested in your church. And so we cautiously invited her. You see, in Honduras, you have to be very, very careful, because there are people that use the social media and also telephones in order to embezzle and even threaten and uh, hoodwink people out of their money or, or, or whatever. So you have to be very, very careful. So I was very timid about uh, writing back to her. But she started to open up to us, and we invited her to come. She started coming to the services, and she started really getting interested in the things of God. And then one night she said, can I come and visit you and your wife in your home? And so she came and we sat down and she said, Pastor, what I want to know is how can I have peace with God? What a wonderful question to ask. We sat and we explained to her the gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that night in our living room, she asked Jesus Christ to be her personal Savior and Lord. Now, she's not that regular because her husband is a, a, a very strong Catholic guy. Uh, doesn't always go out to church, but has strong traditional convictions of Catholicism. He thinks his wife's a bit off the wall. But uh, bit by bit, we're trying to build bridges and she'll have us up maybe for, uh, for dinner some evening. And we're trying to organize to get them down to our house to befriend him uh, and just to show him Christ's love and to be able to reach him with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you pray for us in that? 
the, the Lord is doing his own work in their lives, and we know that it is, it is marvelous in our sight. Do you know, as we uh, work in our Jerusalem, God is starting to, to uh, establish uh, your servant as a servant of the Lord in the community. You know, uh, up in the north of Ireland, the average pastorate lasts about three to five years. And uh, the reason really for that is they don't, they've, lost the, they've lost their track. They, you know, the deacons are running the church instead of the pastors. The pastors are the little puppet, you know. He goes along and he does what the deacons tell him to do. And uh, they get so frustrated in the ministry, they just move on. But you know, whenever you don't stay, stick at a ministry, you never get your feet under the table in the community. You know, one of the things that has impressed me with some of the ministries that I've visited, and this would be one of them, that the pastor's been there for 18, 20, 24, 30 years. What a wonderful ministry. And the community knows who he is. We've been there now eight years. I'm walking up the street and people will say, Hello, pastor. And I'll look at Carmen and I say, Who is that? I don't know, but they know me. We had a, 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 an open day at our, at our house. We wanted to have a baptismal service, and so we invited the guys in to clean up the area that we were going to use for the baptismal service and help us set up the tables, etc., and to, uh, to recompense them for their day of work. We ordered in pizzas up from uh, Tegucigalpa. Bring us up seven pizzas or whatever. And they said, how are we going to find you in Santa Lucia? I said, just go to the center of the town, call me, and one of us will come up and guide you down. Next thing, the guy's knocking at the door of our, of our house with the pizzas. And I said, well, how did you find me? He says, everybody knows where you are. <laughs> he says, I got to the, 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 town, the, the town center and I asked somebody, do you know where uh, Mr. Williams is? Oh, that's the gringo pastor. He's down that way. And so he went down to that corner. Do you know where the Williamses are? Oh, they're down that road. And he went down that road. And eventually brought him right to the door. He says, everybody knows where you live. That's scary. You know, that really is scary. But you know, God is blessing. We're starting to get our feet under the table. We feel that the people are starting to accept us and to, uh, to really start to listen to us whenever we knock on the door. They recognize who we are. They're not afraid anymore. They're not reserved. They know who we are, what we stand for. We're starting to get the name in the community of being the Bible, the Bible people. You know why? Because whilst the other uh, churches are preaching experiences and visions and uh, illustra giving illustrations as sermons, uh, we are given the Word of God, the Word of God. And what a blessing it is as we preach the Word of God and see God's Word take a hold of people's lives. You know, one occasion in our children's meeting, you know, there are things in the Bible that really are for an adult audience. So whenever we got into the story of Joseph, and then we got to Potiphar and Potiphar's wife, how do you teach this to kids, you know? So we tried to be as tactful as we could, and we said to the kids, well, you know, this lady wanted Joseph to do something that God says young people shouldn't do. God says that, uh, that only a man who is uh, married to a woman should lie with the woman, should go to bed with the woman. And she wanted to, uh, Joseph to come into bed with her, and she was already married, and that is what the Bible calls adultery. 
And God doesn't want us to do that. Little bit known to me, two children in our, in our meeting, or one child, sorry, in our meeting, went home to his mom and dad. They were living together. They weren't married. And he went in through to the door and said, you know what, pastor says you two are living in sin. And they're, what? And uh, they said, what do you mean? Uh, no, we were learning about jo- Joseph, and pastor says that if a man uh, uh, sleeps with a woman that isn't his wife, that is sin, and you and daddy aren't, say, aren't uh, married. You know, instead of blowing their top and stop sending their children to the meeting, they started to talk in bed that night, and they came to the conclusion, you know he's right. You know the sad part of this? They both went to the local Methodist charismatic church, a Methodist church that's gone charismatic. He was one of the song leaders in the church, and yet they're not married. And they started to think about this, and they said, you know, pastor's right. And being little bit known to us, they went away, organized their, uh, their marriage license, went to the local council office, organized the date for their marriage, got legally married, and then started to come to our church and have become uh, baptized members of our church. We baptized them, and now they're members of our church. And they have been working hard uh, with their children. They have four children. All four children are attending our church. All four have made a profession of faith, and we're looking to the Lord that they too will give themselves over to baptism and come into membership. So you see, our work in Jerusalem is being blessed. It's expanding. But listen, God wants us to go further than Jerusalem. What is it he says? He says here, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witness unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea. Jerusalem was the city, but let's call it the county was Judea. And you know, this is the city of Cork, but the, the county of Cork is your Judea. And you know, the Lord wants us to reach out to other areas in the, uh, in the uh, state or the, the county where we live. That's our responsibility. That's on our doorstep. And you know, it's such a privilege to be able to reach out and to reach others with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, our, uh, our Judea is Tegucigalpa, seven miles down there in the valley, and also the outlying villages round about uh, Santa Lucia. And we have been doing a ministry in there, not uh, really by default, it started by default. Uh, whenever we arrived in Honduras, as I shared with you last year, 21 people started to gather with us in Tegucigalpa in the November, December, January, February, four months that we were looking for a house, looking for a meeting place up in Santa Lucia. We just started holding church in Carmen, uh, Carmen's mom and dad's house. By the time we reached February, we had 21 people gathering with us, and we hadn't given out a single uh, tract, and we hadn't uh, invited a single person from the area, because we believed we were going to Santa Lucia. We were traveling up each day into Santa Lucia, giving out tracts and checking out houses that were being rented, uh, localities that were being rented that would be useful for the church, and that's where God was calling us, and that's where our focus was. But 21 people came. We started a Bible study with them on the condition that they came up to the church on the Sunday. We put on a bus to bring them up, and they started telling their friends, and things started to grow. We've got 28 in that meeting now. 
But you know, uh, I told you last time about the young man we met in the hardware store, and we started a Bible study in his house, and now since then we've also started a, a meeting on the Monday nights, and we're also just recently started a meeting on the Friday nights in an area called Canaan. Now, I want you to pray especially for Canaan. Canaan is a very uh, difficult area. Canaan was uh, formed into Gusigalpa by a group of uh, communist-minded group that came in from the countryside and invaded government property. The government had plots of land all around Tegucigalpa that they had their, their plans to line their pockets with. But the communists said, no, the, these poor people need, a, need an area to live. So they just moved in and squatted, basically, in the area and refused to leave. Finally, the government gave in and let them have it. But they said, we're not going to give you electric, we're not going to give you anything. No sewerage, no nothing. So they had to dig their own uh, uh, um, septic tanks, etc., and to build their own community as they wanted. And they did. And it is the most healthy, skilty uh, 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 housing area that you've ever met. There is no way that you could draw a map of that area. It's just houses all over the place. And where Tom, Dick, and Harry wanted to put their house, that's where they put it. And so there's no structure, there's no uh, uh, infrastructure. They just now have got electric up there. But you know, that's been going for the last 20 odd years, maybe 30 years. And so they're a well-established community, but very uh, rough area. That's where the uh, drug uh, trade is going on. It is so rough in that area that the police won't go up in there, uh, but they have a a military police. This new president that we have said that he would put the military police on the streets, and everybody cried, that's anti-constitutional and everything, but he did it. And he's put the military police up in there, and they've tamed the area quite, uh, quite well. But you know, there was nine believers from that area. And they were attending a Southern Baptist church, but then all of a sudden the pastor started teaching uh, if wh- whoever is the first person to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning, we're going to give you a week's worth of groceries. Lift your hand, quickly, first one. You're talking to people who are very poor. So the hands all went up. So he would pick out somebody and they would get the, uh, the, the hamper of groceries for the week and he would baptize them and they were members of the church. Listen, folks, that's not the gospel. They appealed to their pastor. They, they challenged him with the word of God. He wouldn't listen. They appealed to the Southern Baptist Convention. They sent their superintendent in to talk with them and try to reason with them. But nothing. He was the pastor. That's what God had laid on his heart. So that's what he was going to do. So they part a company with him. And then through, God has a wonderful way of bringing people in contact with each other. Uh, they contacted with one of the people that comes to our church. And they said, you should try out our church. And they came. They're nine miles up the mountain. They, uh, we're seven miles from the edge of the city, and they're about two miles into the city. And they started coming to our church and the bus that we provide. And, you know, uh, they were just enthralled with the teaching. And they said, this is what we need. So we have started to disciple them, 
uh, we made inquiries to make sure the validity of their argument against the church that they had left, and we found it to be uh, uh, vindicated, that it was a true story, and therefore we had to give them support. So we've started to disciple them in the mindset of being an independent Baptist. There's no more uh, uh, Southern Baptist Convention. There's no more superintendents. It's the pastor and his deacons and uh, looking after the church. That's the New Testament order. And so they have accommodated uh, the, the teachings. They've understood. They've, uh, uh, they've asked for membership. Uh, a couple of them, this pastor uh, baptized them knowing that they were living together without being married. And so we've told them, no, we can't accept you. You must get married first. Then you'll get biblically baptized because you just got wet the last time. People say, why do you do that? Well, Hebrews tells us very clearly. Hebrews 13, you want to see the passage? Come on, see what, I, uh, what we have from the Word of God here. Hebrews chapter 13. You know, it's almost as though some pastors are afraid to preach these things. But look what the Word of God says, and I'm sure you guys know this because your pastor is, uh, is a man of God and he teaches the Word of God. But look what it says in verse 4. It says, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. What's that saying? Illicit sex between two people is sin, and God will judge sin. See, whenever you got baptized, you weren't saying to the people that you're no longer a sinner, because I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God, praise the Lord. But I am a sinner that has been set free from the chains and slavery uh, and bondage to sin. Read Romans chapter 6 for your devotional tonight. We are free so that we no longer serve sin. But if you're living in sin, if you're just happy to live with a girl or live with a guy, uh, then you are in bondage to sin. And what are you saying to the people whenever you're getting baptized? I've been set free from the bondage of sin. You're lying. You're living in sin. So you see, we would have to say to them, you need to be baptized over, uh, uh, biblically. That baptism that you got when you were just getting wet, that wasn't a testimony to the liberty of Jesus Christ. And so they have accepted that. They've gone away and they've got their license sorted out. One has already got married, and by the time I get back, the second one will be married. And so we're going to have a baptismal service and receive them into membership as well. But you know, we're going up every Friday night to give discipleship classes to the, that group of people. And our idea is that we will train them in door-to-door evangelism, street evangelism, and the same as we do on a Monday night, Tuesday night and Thursday night. We'll do one hour of evangelism in that specific area. Then we'll have the Bible study, and anyone that is reached on the doors will be invited out to that Bible study. And once the people start coming to the Bible study, then we draw them in to the church. And so that is the way we're reaching out to our, uh, our Jerusalem in Santa Lucia and our uh, uh, Judea 
in Tegucigalpa, up in the mountain above us in, in the Montañita village. We have a, a children's meeting going on there. We have 35, I think it is, children up there. And then after that meeting, we meet for a, a Bible study with them. Do you know, it's wonderful because I have two guys working with me in each one of those areas, along with my dear wife. You know, Carmen is my uh, soulmate, but she's also my fellow missionary. And you know, she goes everywhere with me. She's with me on the doors. She's with me in the children's meetings. She's with me in the Bible studies. She's also my protection and my accountability. And you know, uh, in Honduras, if you're a gringo, the people see the green card, not the gringo. They see the green card, and they think that if they can entrap a gringo, then they get the green card to go to the United States. So you are a target if you're a white man in, uh, in Honduras. People are wanting out of Honduras. They think I'm crazy coming into Honduras. Uh, but, you know, Carmen being with me, the ladies know to keep their distance. Man, she has sharp nails. No, but uh, uh, they see our, our relationship together, and she is protecting me. You know, that is a blessing. That is a blessing to have a faithful partner uh, in life that God has given to us in our ministry. And we're now 34 years married, and uh, in all of those years, we've been serving the Lord together. And uh, we praise the Lord that God has used her uh, to uh, protect me and to keep me safe from uh, uh, Satan's attack in that, in that area. But, you know, we want you to pray very much. Uh, uh, Canaan is a difficult and it is a dangerous area. It's, uh, I think all of the areas that we go into in, in Tegucigalpa are iffy areas, but Canaan is a definite dangerous area. And I would ask you to pray for us Pray that God will protect us as we, as we go in each Friday. Uh, drug addiction, alcoholism, there's just everything up in there. A lot of social problems. But we believe that there are uh, people there for whom Christ died. That population needs to hear the gospel. And we believe that God has opened up this door of opportunity for us. Please pray for us. And then finally, uh, or uh, uh, going on in this passage of uh, Acts of the Apostles, he says, You shall be witness unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria. How are we working in Samaria? Well, as well as the 15 members of our, our Bible Institute, we also have another six members of our church who have given themselves to evangelism. And we've formed these people into an evangelistic team. They help me in the different ministries during the week, and they do the evangelism in, uh, on Saturdays around, as a group around Santa Lucia. But now we've trained them in puppeteering. We've trained them in open-air work, in door-to-door uh, 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 -door evangelism, street evangelism. We've also taught them in the, uh, the art, art evangelism. It's the illustrative board evangelism. Wonderful methods to gather around a crowd and captivate their attention while you explain the gospel message to them. And we have had seminaries and we've trained our people in this. And now God has given me the vision to, to uh, start to move out. And so we are uh, already supporting as a young church two missionaries in Honduras, 
one guy from Peru that's working in the north of the country, and one guy from Honduras itself that has started a ministry in a town about two and a half hours away. So we have arranged with them that once a year, our team will go to them. The guy in the north, we went up for a full weekend, went up Friday and came back Monday. It's an eight-hour drive there and an eight-hour drive back. But the guy that's uh, two and a half hours away, well, we only went out there Saturday and came back the same evening. But we're able to give them the strategic, logistical help that they need to get out into their community. I can show you photographs later on of the crowds of children that gathered in on those occasions to hear the gospel through the, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, open-air ministry of our team and the puppeteering. Listen, puppeteering is wonderful, but did you know that Jesus didn't die for a puppet? Eh? One of the things that I've stressed to our guys in teaching them how to use puppets is you never have a puppet accepting Jesus Christ as its Savior. Jesus did not die for puppets. Jesus died for the children. He died for the adults. So the puppets share the gospel, but then they direct the children, they direct the adults in the congregation that they need to accept Jesus Christ. We need to be careful, folks. God, uh, Jesus died for human beings, not for dogs, not for cats, and not for puppets. So we must be very, very careful in our presentation of the gospel. That's my take on it, okay? So uh, you guide yourself with what your pastor says, but uh, I think he'll be on board with that as well. But you know, that's, that's our Samaria. We're, we're getting out to Samaria and reaching out in those areas. One of our members has, uh, is blind. He became too, uh, too difficult to look after the family that he was staying with couldn't cope with them. They were all working and he had needs and they couldn't meet them. So eventually he himself requested that he be put in a residential home. It's an hour and a half from where we are. And uh, we've decided we're going to go out twice a year to uh, minister not only to him, but the director of the residential residence has given us permission to hold a full gospel meeting uh, whenever we're there. And our ladies prepare a meal those people, and we're doing that because that's our Samaria, okay? So we need to think about the outlying areas. The next, what's the next uh, county to county court? Come on. County? Kerry. So therefore, you need to be thinking about County Kerry and the counties that lie beyond. Those are your Samaria. And how can you reach them? How can you help them? How can you support ministries that are already in those areas? But then we have the uttermost parts of the world. And through our missionary giving, our little church is uh, supporting a national pastor in Costa Rica and a Panamanian uh, missionary that's gone to Colombia to found a, a Baptist church in Colombia. And what a blessing as our little church is following God's roadmap to evangelizing the world. And I know you guys are doing exactly the same thing, and we praise the Lord for you, because that's why we're in Honduras, because people like yourselves give sacrificially so that we might be in Honduras preaching the gospel. You saw very quickly there, you heard last year, God is moving us into a new area of ministry, and that is the bilingual school ministry. 
I'll not labor this because we spoke extensively about it last year, but for the benefit of those who are new in this, in this congregation, uh, uh, the medium of English is paramount for a Honduran if they're going to get a job that gives them a greater uh, income than the minimum salary. The minimum salary is $20 a day. An education in English will cost you anywhere from $500 to $800 a month. So you can understand that 90% of the population of Honduras cannot afford a bilingual education. So therefore, they're condemned to poverty for the rest of their lives. There are no jobs that will pay you a good salary unless you speak fluent English. And so we believe that God has laid on our heart a way to captivate and bring in more people. You know, I'm a fisherman. I love fishing. Never catch anything, but I love fishing. And whenever I go to the river here in Ireland, I study the river for a while, and I take note of what fly is on the river that particular day and what fly the trout are going for. You see, a trout is a picky eater. One day he wants this fly, and next day he'll take that fly, and another day he'll take something else. Never, you'll hardly find two days that they'll be eating the same thing. So you need to study the river. I've been studying Santa Lucia for a long time now. The people are polarized in their religious beliefs. We need something to tempt them to come out from amongst them and be recognized. And you know, God has led in my heart, and it has to be of the Lord, because I know zilts about education. We need a, a, a school administrator and a school director to form the school, but physically, as you saw in the video, we're starting to build the church with sufficient Sunday school rooms that it will be able to run a school during the week. But we need teachers also. We need a, a missionary teachers who, are, who have a vision to join with us and to reach out to our community with the gospel of Christ through the education system. If we can offer a pre-kinder through sixth grade a bilingual education using the uh, homeschool material produced by uh, uh, Bob Jones University or Pensacola University, we can give them a Christian education and present to them the gospel of Jesus Christ each day. But here's the thing. Because it's free, we can put conditions. And the condition is this. Before you would register your child with our school, you must come faithfully for one year to two meetings per week. Listen, I'm not asking anybody, the first one to lift your hand, except Jesus Christ. We're going to give you a free education for your children. That's not what we're saying. We're saying if you're faithful attending two meetings a week, we will allow you to register your child in our school for a free education. There will be an administrative fee. We can't avoid that. We have to buy the books. We have to buy the uniforms. And we have to maintain the building and the infrastructure of the school. But the actual education, the bulk of the expense of an education, logically are the salaries of the, of the uh, teachers. 
So if we can get a missionary team together that come supportive, whether it be interim, whether it be short-term missionaries or long-term missionaries, career missionaries, whatever way they want to come, if they can come fully supportive, then we will be able to man our school and we'll be able to offer this. So if a family comes to our church two days a, two days a week and listens to the gospel message, then they can register to their child the following year. That year, their attendance will qualify them to register their children for the following year. And so it will go step by step. Our curriculum will follow as closely as possible the curriculum of the Honduran government. So if any family decides, no, you know what, I don't want to go to this uh, uh, church anymore. Well, you disqualify yourself from registering your child. But your child is not deprimented. Your child will finish the year because their year is predicated upon your last year's attendance. So your child finishes the year, they're given all the results, all the test results, all their exams, and they're given that so that they can take it to the public school and go on with their education in the public school without any detriment to the child. So that is our vision. Will you pray for us for that? Pray that God will provide the necessary expertise to form that school and that God will use this as a, a bait to draw out the fish. God said he would make us fishermen of men. And you know, we have to be wise. And this could be an opportunity to draw people out of these different churches that are preaching wacko gospels and they will hear the word of God. And you know what the word of God says? The entrance of thy word bringeth light and faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I trust that our report this evening has been of an encouragement to you. May God truly bless you and thank you once more for your support in our ministry in Honduras. Amen.